This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Conversations. Hello and welcome to News Laundry Conversations. This is Maharaj at News Laundry. Allow me to start today's conversation by reading a short excerpt from an article that I wrote back in April after the coronavirus pandemic had forced India into lockdown. Quote, it's a measure of the moral decay of Indian society's upper crust, those who drive public opinion, that even a crisis which threatens to upend our world is a ruse to parade their bigotry against the Muslims in their media and in their public square. Since planting the Tablighi Jamaat as the newest scarecrow by holding it solely responsible for the coronavirus outbreak in India, the media has fabricated stories and tortured data to vilify the Muslims as if they were the black death made flesh. Rahul Kamal of India today didn't spare even destitute children." Unquote. So the context for writing this was that soon after coronavirus began spreading in this country, the ruling establishment and the media, which a large section of which often acts as its mouthpiece, targeted this Muslim movement called Tablighi Jamaat, accusing it of conspiring to wage what they call Corona Jihad against India. They said a lot of other wild things as well, which I'd rather not repeat now. So Tablighi Jamaat had held a congregation in Delhi's Nizamuddin, which is their headquarters in mid-March, and some of the congregants had tested positive for coronavirus. This was the trigger for the media to blame them for the outbreak in India. For most people outside the Muslim community, though, I think it was perhaps the, perhaps the first time that they had heard of the Tablighi Jamaat. And I think even fewer would have known that it is arguably the largest Muslim organization in the world right now. But who are Tablighi Jamaat? How did they end up in the eye of the storm? To talk about all this, we have with us someone who can, who is an authority on the subject. Ziaou Salam is an associate editor at the Hindu and Frontline. He was the Hindu's features editor for North Indian editions for 16 years. His books on Islam include Nikah Halala, Sleeping with a Stranger, Women in Masjid, Madrasas in the Age of Islamophobia, Lynch Files, 365 Tales from Islam, of saffron flags and skull caps till talaq do us apart. And his most recent book is on Tablighi Jamaat. It's called Inside the Tablighi Jamaat. Zia sir, welcome to News Laundry Conversations. How are you doing in these gloomy times? Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I mean, I just read out that whole list of books. That is such an impressive list of work. Congratulations on your new book also. And this is like just adds to the Great collection. Thank you. This new book, Inside the Tabdiri Jamaat, is very close to my heart. I guess most authors will say that about their work. But considering this book has been long in the making, yet I got very, very limited time to put it together. This book has a special place in my heart because of that and partly because of the chapter you read out from your own work about yes. how Tabdiri Jamaat became the villain of the entire COVID thing in India. Hmm. So uh, that's actually what I wanted to start with. So from what I could gather, you wrote the book after the COVID pandemic started, but you, the idea you were saying had been there for almost a decade, since at least 2009. So, so the research and everything was already done and you just started writing it or did you have to do the research and everything else during this time only? See, I had not thought in terms of, do, now that I didn't get a chance to sit down and do the book at one go earlier. I was busy with one book or the other. But yes, I had been drawn to Tablighi Jamaat for many, many decades. Not just for mm-hmm. the last decade. I mentioned the last decade because that was the first time a Tablighi Jamaat delegation came to my house in Noida, where mm-hmm. I live. And they invited me to join them on an out-of-station trip. Fortunately or unfortunately, I turned down the invitation. Though I did agree that I could speak to their volunteers in a masjid in Noida. And yes. that is how I started interacting with Tablighi Jamaat people more closely. Let me go back in time a little bit. I spent the best part of my life or other childhood in Delhi. And right in front of my house, there used to be a mosque in my childhood. And every now and then we would see a Tablighi Jamaat delegation coming to the masjid and staying there for three days. As a child, I used to mind it. Because that man during that time, I could not play in the courtyard of the masjid in the morning as a little child with other boys. But as I grew up, I understood what they stood for and the kind of deliberations they used to have in the masjid at that time. They had registered at the back of my mind 
So many years later, when I shifted to Noida, and incidentally, again, had the good fortune of, a, of having a house in front of a masjid where Tablighi Jamaat has a stronghold. So I could interact with them more closely. Not that I agree with everything Tablighi Jamaat does. I have my serious difference of opinion with them. But then I know what they stand for. That comes across. I mean, this book is at once sympathetic and it's also very critical at the same time. So that comes across through the book, obviously. Yeah, so, so basically, I've been interacting with their volunteers and I saw how they would leave their families for days on end. The delegation which came to my house was headed by a gentleman from Mumbai and he was going to Egypt. He'd come yeah. to Delhi and was uh, staying in, on in Delhi for three, four days before going to Egypt for an entire year. And he was almost 70. You have to have a special feeling for the Jamaat and for the faith to leave your wife and children and everybody else behind for one full year with nothing but maybe three, four sets of clothes with you, a copy of Fazaili Amal and a Tazbiya or two. Nothing else, no real hard cash with him, no plastic money, not even a mobile phone. He was just going for the sake of Allah. He was just going as a brother of faith with other men similarly placed. That did impress me, to be honest, that how you can do that. At the same time, I asked some questions. Like, hmm. if you are away for a year, what happens to your family? Who looks after the family? Is it fair to pass on your responsibility to your wife every now and then when you go in terms of salvation through religion? What if she wants to do likewise? Would you make those adjustments? So those were the thoughts in my mind when these people came. And I also thought that Tablighi Jamaat, somewhere down the line, was guilty of reducing Islam to a set of rituals. Yes, at one level, they have done an outstanding job of bringing those men to masjid who would otherwise be loitering around at the street squares, maybe playing cards or watching cricket or whatever. So they, those guys were taught about prayers and brought to masjid. Many of them happened to be illiterate. So they read the Quran and they became attained certain level of literacy at least. And Tablighi Jamaat, it must be said, has brought more Muslims to mosques than probably all the other Muslim organizations in India. This by itself is laudable. At the same time, the objection is it reduces Islam to a set of rituals. They do bring young men, even older ones, to masjid. But do they ever explain to them what is it that they are seeing in the prayer, which is critical. Because unless you explain what is there in the prayer, Hmm. then it, it doesn't really serve any purpose. True. So actually, that's that's what's my second question. You, when you talk about Tablighi Jamaat, so your description of their vision is that their whole quest, spiritual quest is about matters beyond the sky and under the earth, meaning that they're yes. concerned about the hereafter. They don't care so much about this world. So because you have to succeed in the hereafter, so all your life has to be geared towards that goal. But Absolutely. what they're actually saying, essentially, if I can put it in simpler terms, is that more than material, uh, material things and everything, what you need is spiritual uplift. Am I right? Yes, but, absolutely. It, it, but like you also explained in their this focus on rituals, what they're actually uh, inculcating among their followers is not spirituality as such, but piety. So have you talked to them? How do they just sort of make sense of this? How do they reconcile this? That they're after spiritualism, but their whole focus is on piety. Not exactly even piety. I would say ritualism. All right. Ritualism. Because, see, they say, okay, that you have to pray five times a day, which is one of the essentials of Islamic faith. And hmm. that you have to observe fast in the month of Ramzan. That all that is fine. That is a basic requisite of our religion. But they never make, encourage youngsters who come to them or even senior volunteers who come to them to understand the Qur'an. If you read the Qur'an in Arabic, it's fine. You are doing it from the point of view of Akhirat or afterlife, as they say it. But why don't they encourage people to use Qur'an as a guidebook hmm. to improve the quality of their everyday life? The Qur'an doesn't encourage us to just follow everything blindly. The Qur'an asks us to explore, to introspect, to ask questions. Now, if you do not understand the Quran, you neither know Arabic, nor do you make an attempt 
to read the meaning in a, in a language you are conversant with, then how are you going to improve the quality of your life? You just reduce Islam in that case to a set of rituals and not a lived experience. And that is probably the reason why Tabliri Jamaat has not had a single tafsir or commentary of the Quran coming from its portals over the last 70 years or so. But is that also because, like you have, I mean, throughout the book, you compare Tablighi Jamaat with two other Muslim organizations. One is the Jamaat Islami, other is the Jamiat Ulmai Hind. So, it, to put it, I mean, simply, Jamiat uh, Ulmai Hind started out and still mostly is organization of these ulama and intellectuals. Jamaati Islami started out in Pakistan, in Kashmir, elsewhere also. It is the organization of the Muslim middle class, the educated Muslim middle class, more or less. But yes. this organization is mostly about of poor peasants, farmers and the like. So also because they don't focus so much on the intellectual growth of their people. So I don't think that's really surprising, is it? That they haven't produced like that literature that you would see in, say, from Jamaat Islami or Jamaati Ulmai Hind. See, the circumstances under which Tabliri Jamaat was founded back in 1927 and the time when Maulana Ilyas brought peasants from Mewat and even landless laborers and taught them the essentials of Islam, that is very laudable and that is something which no other Muslim Jamaat managed to do. As you rightly point out, Jamiat was more about nationalism and scholarly attainment. And Jamaat-e-Islami was more of a middle class thing, but it's still more about intellectuals among the middle class. Hmm. The Jamaat was the only organization which catered to the masses, which catered to the people who knew nothing about Islam, who had not even probably read the Quran, who could not read the Quran. So these were the people who became the basically the main members of Tablighi Jamaat right from the early years of its inception. But therein lies a problem. It's all very fine that you bring an unlettered man into the Jamaat and you take him along on a, on a tour, out of session, after teaching him how to pray. But then there are Tablighi Jamaat men today at the helm, particularly among the upper ranks of the Jamaat, who hmm. should have and could have come up with a commentary of the Quran if the Jamaat had approved. After all, we must understand the Jamaat has a nine-volume work called fazail e amal Yes. It talks of virtues of reading the Quran, virtues of zakat, virtues of hajj, and so on. When that kind of effort of 20-odd years, which Maulana Zakaria did in compiling this book, if that hmm. kind of effort could be spared for fazail e amal why could the Jamaat could not spare a few years for a commentary of the Quran? The answer True. is the Jamaat members tend to read the Quran with the view of getting virtue out of it. Basically points for the afterlife, not as sawab, a what we call sawab in Yeah, sawab. Yeah. Sawab yeah. As, as it is said in India, in Urdu. Sawab ke liye padna hai. But what about Quran as a guidebook? The Quran has an answer to the problems of everyday life. And the glaring example came in the instant triple talaq case when the Muslim community was floundering for direction and many of the clerics who had himself not read the tafsir of the Quran or who knew Arabic and knew what the Quran said about the about talaq, they were the ones who went vocal in front of the media, in front of the larger society and misguided the community. Ultimately, it was left to the Supreme Court to quote the Quran while invalidating instant triple talaq because the Quran nowhere talks of triple talaq at one go. It talks of a woman's rights. It talks of talaq at three separate intervals of one month each at least. That is separated by one menstrual cycle of a woman. Nowhere hmm. does it talk of talaq at one go. Yeah, there's a whole process. Yeah, yeah there's a whole process given in Surah Baqarah from ayat number 226 to 237. Then the opening verses of Surah Talaq also. But the Bliyati Jamaat refused to say a word on the issue of Talaq. Why? Is Islam reduced to just praying five times a day or observing fast in the month of Ramadan or maybe reading Fazail Amal first thing in the morning? What about everyday issues? Why didn't the Bliyati Jamaat speak up on the subject of Talaq? 
it had to considering it has it is the largest muslim body by a huge distance if you combine the members of jamiat ulama in and jamaat e islami they will not come to one tenth of the membership of the jamiat jamaat so the community needed guidance at such an hour unfortunately the jamiat jamaat prefer to keep quiet largely because it has no idea what is there in the quran similarly when the babri masjid was demolished there were sections of muslim society people came out to protest before the demolition during the movement of ramadan bomi and then people went to court after the demolition but tabliyati jamaat refused to speak forward and the same thing had happened earlier in the case of shahbanu's maintenance issue now as the largest muslim body i would say that it is the fundamental duty of tabliyati jamaat to guide its own volunteers why should those volunteers have to go to scholars from other muslim organizations for guidance on this yes but uh, don't you think that is also partly because where it came from where it was rooted you explain in the book just shed a bit a little bit of light on that how it came into being how you write in the book that it was also a reaction to this garwapsi movement by dan and saraswati in the mewat region yeah that that movement was shuddhi movement back in the 20s dehana saraswati and other team members of his from arismal they had started a shuddhi campaign wherein they were converting those muslims who had left hinduism just a generation or two earlier now most of these muslims from western up and what is now haryana and parts of rajasthan largely the mewat region they were poor people they were not well read they were not well off even after converting to islam they continued with rituals of hinduism like many of them at the time of nikah besides the nikah they had saat phere also and they had mixed names also like it would be un- it would not be unusual to find a name like rahul khan or yes. deepak sheikh in that part of india even today so dhyan hmm. saraswati set about bringing those guys back into the fold of hinduism saying they have recently left hinduism and they were there ancestors were hindus so they should come back to the fold of hindus now there was a problem as muslims these guys did not have a caste but if they reverted to hinduism what will be their caste would they be yes. brahmins or would they be kshatriyas or would they be shudriyas or vaishyas hmm. and around the same time maulana ilyas started his campaign of educating these first or second generation muslims from the mewat region actually maulana ilyas was not the one who started it it was started by his father and then his elder brother continued and then maulana ilyas came to the fore his father used to bring these unlettered poor people from mewat region to nizamuddin what used to happen initially was these people used to come to delhi in search of work like even now we have so many landless laborers even unskilled or semi skilled laborers coming to delhi in in search of livelihood at that time also it was more or less the same thing so the guys who used to come in search of livelihood molana ilyas's father would bring them to markas and ask them how much do you earn for a day's labor supposing mm. the man concerned said 2 anna or 4 anna as the case maybe he would mm. say okay i'll pay you this much you start reading the quran with me today so those men started memorizing small small verses from the quran from morning to evening they would sit at nizamuddin markas and they would memorize the smallest surahs of the quran at the end of the day they would be paid for it almost like as if they had worked at a construction site so these poor men were very impressed with him they thought that he was a wali he was some evolved soul who was not only teaching them how to memorize how to remember verses of the quran but he was also paying them for it so they went back home to mewat and started spreading the word gradually small small schools came up under the trees with just a tarpaulin sheet and all that and that is how tablighi jamaat was formed so uh, i mean in a way it has stuck to that original mission if you can call it that that you have to make take this muslim who in their eyes is not a proper not a not a good muslim and make him into this perfect muslim in in their world view yeah. how they conceive a, a proper muslim and perfect See, muslim that's molana ilyas's idea he was never concerned about conversion tabligh hmm. jamaat is a gross misnomer to think that it works for conversion it hmm. never works for conversion it has never worked for conversion 
tablighi jamaat only works among muslims it strives that muslims should become better muslims yes. they should become more regular with their prayers they should be more afraid of the almighty they should be regular with their fast regular with their zakat and so on and so forth and they believe through this prayer there will be internal cleansing of these people and once mm. the individual is cleansed then he can start working on the larger society and once the entire society is cleansed of all the sins and crimes and wrongdoings then everything will be fine with the world but at no stage is the body directly or indirectly concerned about conversion taking a step back so after the whole uh, nizamuddin controversy happened and the media went all 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 hell broke loose in the media they accused the tablighi jamaat of all kinds of vile things and people started i think like i said also people for the first time got to know of what tablighi jamaat was and a lot of people still don't have an idea their idea of tablighi jamaat is still the stereotype that the media has given them so could you just explain to those of our listeners who don't know who aren't aware of tablighi jamaat what exactly it is like i've already said tablighi jamaat is a body of muslim masses it has very little to do with the scholars of the community most hmm. of the members of tablighi jamaat are first generation or second generation learners many of them are from very poor families also peasants laborers etc and this is a body which is concerned with the spiritual uplift of muslims it is hmm. not opposed to any faith it is not working for conversion of any non muslim to islam it is a body which is focusing only on internal cleansing of the muslim ummah that is why they believe that you have to first put your house in order before inviting anybody else in there are people who who criticize within the muslim community that they never extend an invitation to non muslims and that is the defense of tablighi jamaat that first we have to put our own house in order before inviting any guest in so that is how they work they first of all ask every muslim to be regular with his prayers at the neighborhood mosque five times a day once a man is regular with his prayer for a few days or maybe a few weeks he is invited to go to another mosque with fellow members maybe a group of 10 or 20 men to another mosque in the city where he spends the weekend normally a saturday morning saturday sunday and then up to monday like that once he has finished that part of his spiritual journey then he is encouraged to undertake a chilla chilla is a 40 day trip undertaken to another mosque out of the station like a gentleman working in mumbai or delhi could go to bhopal or indore as part of the chilla wherein these people spend 40 days in a particular mosque they pray five times a day in that mosque they read out from the scriptures in that particular mosque only and invite the locals to join them in their prayer hmm. at no stage is the tablighi jamaat concerned with the political dispensation of the time it has never been anti congress or it has never been anti bjp or pro bjp or pro congress the tablighi jamaat is an apolitical body you write in the book that they seem to be living in a social and political vacuum when you talk about how even during the emergency while the jamaat islami and jamaat e ulama e hind they were they were targeted by the indira gandhi government jamaat e tablighi jamaat never faced any problems because they never been concerned about the political matters or the so, even the social problems of muslims as such yeah we already talked in terms of social problems like when there was the issue of instant triple talaq or babri yeah. masjid or shabano tablighi jamaat refused to say a word either way either hmm. in defense of masjid or in defense of people who went to court or against the people who went to court it kept its own counsel it believes that if you continue to pray and seek guidance from the almighty all will be fine and as you rightly said tablighi jamaat has not faced any problem with any of the political parties or successive governments at the center or even in states for the simple reason the body has no political culture like before any general elections or state elections tablighi jamaat does not advise its volunteers to vote for a particular candidate or not to vote for a particular candidate or a political party it doesn't even ask its members whether they are contesting elections or not contesting elections or they are going to vote in the forthcoming elections or not 
it remains in its own bubble the problem also is tablighi jamaat despite i mean we said it is probably the world's largest muslim organization but it isn't even an organization in the strict sense of the word right i mean it doesn't have registered members it doesn't have institutions like other uh, organizations have it's basically the president who sits at the markaz in nizamuddin which is basically a mosque and it has this advisory council the shura they call it yes. and the people come and go all the time so there is no organization as such yeah the the tablighi jamaat does not have a constitution of its own hmm. it is not that when you join the tablighi jamaat you are expected to abide by its constitution or they give you a form a form to fill up that under all circumstances you will do this or that there is a membership charge nothing of that kind takes place that is hmm. why the organization completely flamoxes flamox all the sociologists not only in india but across the world how do you bring a body to record which does not maintain a register of its own members which does not maintain any record of its own sittings of how many out of station tours its volunteers have take, undertaken how many people went out of station in fact it doesn't even ask its volunteers who go from one city to another to show their aadhar card or to show their passport to prove that they are indian it has that so, kind of mindset that you are just living in a bubble everything will be fine you do not basically doubt the intention of the man who comes to you to join you in prayer or to join you in a chilla and amazingly it is the indian model made in india by molana elias which is practiced by tablighi jamaat across the world be hmm. in bangladesh or pakistan or the west indies or canada or the uk the model stays the same yeah and also i mean uh, despite it being a basically an indian organization started out in india still is like mainly run from india what i found very fascinating after the nizamuddin controversy i mean apart from all the bigotry that was on tv even in the press the respectable press by commentators who were more sensible respected commentators when i read their what they had to say about jamaat e islami i mean i was struck how unaware if not ignorant they were about the whole thing so i remember uh, veer sangvi wrote in hindustan times so he described tablighi jamaat as an orthodox group that would take islam back several centuries to fulfill its objectives so i had half a mind to like go on twitter and tell him that it's it's a perfect i i don't know so sometime back i read this very funny anecdote so after the french academy had prepared its first dictionary they defined crab as a small red fish that walks backwards all right and they sent this uh, definition to a naturalist for his approval okay. a scientist wrote back saying your definition gentlemen would be perfect but for three exceptions the crab is not a fish it's not red and it does not walk backwards so i thought i'll uh, <laughs> say to mr sangvi that your definition is perfect except the tablighi jamaat is not orthodox it's not even a group and it does it's not taking islam anywhere back or forward <laughs> so yeah so i do so what do you make of this i mean despite this being such a large organization and so visible in large parts of india also because they have this their the skull cap wearing white uh, shalwar kameez wearing and uh, with with their shalwar right above their ankles they are very visible they have very visible markers tablighi jamaat people yet how is it that so much of the indian society is really ignorant about them see tablighi jamaat has never as i said made an attempt to get across to non muslim society now tablighi hmm. jamaat acting in that way in bangladesh or pakistan is understandable but hmm. in a country like india where muslims yes they are in a sizable number but at the same time they are a minority Hmm. but the tablighi jamaat has never made any attempt to get across to the non muslim society explain what it stands for or to invite them to its own deliberations its own negotiations or its own chillas or any such thing like we have jamiat ul mahin which keeps inviting non muslims even to its classes in deoband we have jamaat e islami which invites people almost every saturday to its own istimas in delhi and elsewhere but tablighi jamaat has never made any overtures towards non muslims and considering the body has no website it hmm. doesn't even have a facebook page how does hmm. a man who want to know about tablighi jamaat get to know even if you go to markaz for the first time 
it is hmm. not that a volunteer will come forward and give you literature about the jamaat so it's practically very difficult to get to know what the tablighi jamaat stands for at the same time as you rightly said the way indian media at least a big part of our indian media went overboard in its criticism of tablighi jamaat stemmed only partially from ignorance largely from its own preconceived agenda hmm so after this whole uh, controversy do you think i mean like you said they have been living in this political social vacuum after this controversy they realized that it was maybe naive to be like that and they'll get more engaged in social and political issues of muslims or do you think they'll continue as usual i think they'll continue as usual after all emergency did not change them it is not that hmm. uh, that indira gandhi did not try had to come hard at tablighi jamaat she sent hmm. her ib guys and other members of her coterie to go to markaz and see what the tablighi jamaat men are doing but they all came back far from discussing emergency or criticizing indira gandhi or even discussing the political system of the country they were only concerned about after life what hmm. will happen to us after we are buried and what lies beyond the skies so they were concerned about matters of heaven and hell not earth and mm. i don't think it is going to change with this covid either because they didn't speak up in 92 they didn't speak up in 2002 they didn't speak up in 2013 there is no likelihood that tablighi jamaat will undergo any major change post covid in 2020 the entire focus is on afterlife so yes. they think that this is just one of the challenges of this life you have to grin bear it but continue with your own supplications to allah knowing that ultimately you will reach your destination but uh, yes sir what relevance will it have in a we are in a time right now in in this part of the world where engaging and trying to acquire political power has become sort of an existential struggle for indian muslims right so yes. there's this group which says no just ignore all this live in your own bubble but when you have people who are suffering on a day to day basis so how relevant is it going to be going forward i'll give you a very recent example of this year only just before covid we had this north east delhi targeted violence hmm which had 50 plus casualties 36 of them muslims yes you now when the muslim houses were burnt or their shops set on fire and even so many men and women paid with their life first of all gurudwaras opened their doors for people in need hmm. if people had had their houses completely burned down they had no place to stay and the delhi government had not set up any relief centers then first of all the gurudwaras opened their doors then mm. the churches opened their doors for people impacted by violence to come and stay but the local mosque of north east delhi in mustafabad in silampur and other adjoining areas did not open their doors to victims of violence why because most of those mosques were under the influence of tablighi jamaat i'm not talking mm. of the mosques which were either set on fire or burned down or attempted to be burned down by mm. the the mob but the mosques mosques which remained untouched they also did not help the muslim community by offering shelter and these were the mosques which were under the influence of tablighi jamaat and these people think that mosque is a place of worship only they have a very limited view of mosque under the circumstances in the 2020 violence in delhi the muslim community was left to wait for relief from ngos from the sikh community from the christian community from jamiat ulama hind from jamaat e islami but tablighi jamaat failed to come forward to help the community jamaat e islami offered relief instantly even helped many people to establish their shops again after they had been burned down in gokulpuri and other areas Jamiat has been fighting their cases at many levels besides providing them aid even today but tablighi jamaat refuses to step out of its bubble under these with these kind of experiences i think tablighi jamaat is in danger of self limiting this also ties into other another thing that you describe in the book so unlike for example jamaat e islami tablighi jamaat doesn't have an institutional mechanism for collecting and giving away charity for example zakat yes, which is yes. zakat is for those of our listeners who don't know it's an 
obligatory sort of a tax on Muslims. If you have a certain amount of wealth savings, you have to pay that tax. 2.5% of your income. Yes. Jamaati Islami has that, but Tablighi Jamaat doesn't do it. has never done that. Even though, like you said, all its members are come from modest backgrounds. Yes. So if it doesn't have that, so I, I don't suppose it's in a position to sort of help financially people who are suffering. No. See, there are Tablighi Jamaat people who are well off. Hmm. It's a misconception to think that 100% are poor or from a modest background. Yes, today hmm. 80% of them will be like that. But hmm. if there is a man who is able to travel for a year, leaving his family behind after providing resources for the family for an entire year, and there are, there are so many men who undertake a trip for four months, there are other men who undertake a trip for 40 days, and these are all self-financed tours. Hmm. It is compulsory that you have to make financial requirement for your family's needs in your absence. So these are the people who would be paying zakat. But Tablighi hmm. Jamaat doesn't have any centralized mechanism for collecting zakat or sadqah or khairat, which are all various forms of charity in Islam. If hmm. the body had been collecting zakat, sadqah or khairat for many years now, or even for some time, it would have been in a position to help people not just in Northeast Delhi, but also earlier in Muzaffarnagar and elsewhere, wherever the masses had suffered in any communal outbreak. And this is quite strange. Like you describe in the book also, Fazaili Amal, which is sort of the canon for Tablighi Jamaat, it talks extensively about the virtues of collecting and giving zakat. But then it doesn't do any of that, right? And it, yeah. it, the, the same with understanding and reading Quran. Lots of things about reading, the virtues of reading and understanding Quran, but it doesn't do that. So all these contradictions, how, how do they reconcile these? I, I mean, no, they, they do not talk of understanding the Quran. They talk of reading the Quran. Reading the Quran. Okay, all right. Okay, but they don't talk in terms of learning Arabic or even reading the Quran in any language of your choice besides hmm. Arabic. Like hmm. I had this personal experience a few years ago. I started distributing the meaning of the Quran in English, Hindi and Urdu at a few mosques in Delhi. Hmm. Now, wherever the mosque was under the influence of Tablighi Jamaat, I was stopped from doing so. Okay. I had taken permission from the Imam over there, or in some cases, management committee also, and they had hmm. no issues. But Tablighi Jamaat members, they had an issue. When volunteers of our organization stood at the gate of the mosque to give a complimentary copy to every worshipper, going back after offering Zohar Salah afternoon prayer, Tablighi hmm. Jamaat members objected. This is not the right way. If you have to give a copy of the Quran, you give it in Arabic. You don't give the meaning in English or Hindi or Urdu. And some people who still took it from us came back on the following Friday or another day to return it, saying, no, I don't want it. Now, when a particular organization and its members have been instilled, it has been instilled into them that you're not supposed to understand the Quran. You're only supposed to read it from the point of view of Akhirat. How is that organization going to get guidance from the book? The Quran mm. is a book of guidance. It is not just meant to be read for afterlife. It is meant to be read for this life. And therein lies the Tabligi Jamaat's fault. It reduces the sphere of influence of the Quran Sharif with its mindset. Despite all these contradictions and all these problems, I mean, you would have talked to a lot of people while researching for this book. What attracts people to this organization then? Very easy. It gives that feeling of solidarity to people who are left behind in the progress of society. Hmm. People who otherwise would not come to a man who owns a couple of cars and who has a fancy job or a business. Hmm. Suddenly, they're encouraged to come to masjid and they find themselves standing shoulder to shoulder with such a man. So it's mm. a great feeling of equality, fraternity, which Islam inculcates, which Tablighi Jamaat reminds these people of, which other Muslim bodies have failed to do. Also, mm. it gives these people an opportunity to preach about Islam. You must understand in our country, Islam has been more or less left in the hands of the ulama, the so-called yes. scholars of faith. For the first time, you have these people from humble background going door to door, asking people to join them in prayer, to join them in an out-station trip, and so on. So it gives them 
a sense of belonging and it gives their life a sense of direction. As I have taught in the book, if there is a young man, 18, 20 year old, who had been whiling away his time fiddling with his mobile for six, seven, eight hours a day, who had been watching films on his laptop late, late into the night, suddenly he comes in contact with Tablighi Jamaat volunteers and due to their powers of persuasion, he starts frequenting the local mosque and gradually becomes a regular over there. Suddenly all his habits of wasting his time start to decline until there comes a time when this man himself finds that he is knocking at someone else's door, asking him to join prayer at the mosque in the neighborhood. And when this happens, that man's life comes a full circle from being basically one who was wasting his time a no doing no good kind of guy to a guy who had a purpose in life who had a certain direction in his life is another matter that he doesn't understand what he offers in his daily prayers what he says in his daily prayers it is sufficient for him that he goes to masjid five times a day it brings in itself a certain discipline certain regularity in his life which is lacking earlier Therein lies the greatest contribution of the Jamaat. That's very true. I actually know quite a few people whose lives have been completely transformed after they went with Tablighi Jamaat. I mean, they found meaning in their lives, what they used to do before and what they are now. It's a, like they are completely different people. But also, Tablighi Jamaat has, like you also explained in the book, they have this sort of an escapist idea of the world. So sometimes you'll find people who will even leave their families behind, even age parents behind. Yeah, there behind. have been cases I've come across when these volunteers have gone to a young man's house huh. and the young man says, okay, I can't come with you on this outstation trip for 40 days or for four months because I have my exams, I'm in 12th class or in the final year of graduation. And these volunteers have very misleadingly told him, no, no, everything will be fine. Allah will take care of everything. You come in the path of Allah. Now, if a man is going... Sorry to cut you. That's actually not some people. That's me. Like this thing happened with me. When I was in okay. the final year of college. So I went to the mosque. It was the Asr prayer, the afternoon prayer. And uh, they, the Jamaat had come, Tablighi Jamaat had come to my village mosque. And they were sitting there. And I finished namaz a little late because I joined a little late. And they, so I sat down there. Thought, let's hear what they have to say. And... After a little while, one of those gentlemen came and sat next to me and then he said, why don't you join up for the three-day tour? I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't because my exams are the day after. And he says, so what? So if you lose one year, it's no big deal. You're going in God's name, he'll take care of everything. I mean, I didn't have an answer to that. <laughs> I was so stunned. If I asked, I've asked Tabligi Jaban members who go away for four months and who are married. I said, look, hmm. at the time of nikah, the woman gives the right to her sexual impulse to you hmm. and you give the same right to her. The Quran very clearly says that they have the same rights unto you as you have unto them. Now what happens to her needs in performance? You have a heightened sense of religion, heightened sense of spirituality. What about the lady at home who has been living a normal life with her kids, maybe other family members and everything? And what happens to the education of your children? Is it just the responsibility of your spouse? to make sure that they study well, go to school or college every day. After all, you are an equal partner. Man is considered a worm in Islam, not in the sense of a leader alone, but in the sense of responsibility. He has greater responsibility than the woman to run the house. He, not only has he had to get the finances for it, but he has to direct, he has to guide the family in day-to-day -day affairs. Now, all those things go out of the window if a man is away from the house for a year or for four months every now and then. So uh, just uh, tell us a little bit about the, uh, like we ex you explained the sort of the background of the members of Tablighi Jamaat in India. Is it a similar thing with people from outside also? Because right now Tablighi Jamaat is almost, there's hardly a country where they don't have a presence. And people like for this congregation in March also, which caused such a storm, people from Malaysia, Indonesia and all the other places had come to Delhi. So do they come from similar backgrounds, sir? Not always, not always. In the okay. subcontinent, yes. Hmm. In the subcontinent, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, yes, it is certainly there. But when you go to the first world, in a place like the US or, or the UK or Canada, people are well off, they are well read, prosperous in life, yet they come for Tabliri Jamaat's deliberations, 
is uh, talks after fajr and asr prayers and he, they even participate in outer station trips of the daily jamaat but important thing is most of them are from the subcontinent origin hmm. fathers or grandfathers would have left india or pakistan in the 50s or 60s or 70s so they know something about the daily jamaat from their experience back in the subcontinent and when these people go from india or pakistan or bangladesh to invite more people to join jamaat in say toronto or in L- london etc they have that feeling of home okay these people used to come to our home back in lahore or back in in lucknow or jalandhar so it's like mm-hmm. a very familiar feeling it brings a certain kind of nostalgia in many people so they join and once a father joins then son also by and large often tends to fall in line in the same thing that my ancestors used to do so it becomes part of a family tradition to be in tablighi jamaat having said this there are people from other nationalities also who join tablighi jamaat in these countries and they have had nothing to do with the indian subcontinent they have largely been impressed with the discipline and with the invitation extended by tablighi jamaat to people of all nationalities in these countries hmm so uh just tell us a little bit about the leadership of the tablighi jamaat i mean we heard a lot about maulana saad who is the amir the president of the tablighi jamaat after the controversy happened despite being such a huge organization or in the strict sense not even an organization as such tablighi jamaat has since the time of maulana ilyas when he started it in the 1920s till this day it has mainly been a family concern right so what is the leadership like it remains a family concern yeah right from 27 molana ilias then to molana yusuf inam saab and everybody people who have become president of tablighi jamaat are either born in the family of molana ilias or married into the family of molana ilias it's as simple that way it's a family concern but it will be unfair to dub it only as a family concern because the body has worked tirelessly among millions and millions of muslims Hmm. told them the fundamentals of religion brought them to mosque told them to what islam stands for at least the fundamentals of religion even if it has never explained to them what the quran entails at least it has told them about the fundamentals of islam so therein lies i think the jamaat's greatest achievement and despite the all the stereotypes the media has peddled about this one sort of evil leader on top who gives directions to his people and they do all kinds of things despite it being despite the leadership being within the family all this time there has been dissension within the ranks people have argued about the leadership and everything See, there right? have been debates there have been debates there have been dialogues but the average tablighi jamaat volunteer has never questioned the leadership in public hmm. obviously senior members are within their rights to air their views in any confabulations in the jamaat but earlier they never went to town about it and the foot soldier of the tablighi jamaat the one who drives the movement has never had an issue with the fact that the president of the jamaat has to be from the family only hmm. either married into the family or born into the family if the members do not have a problem with this why should the outside world have a problem after all we see this family tradition everywhere yeah and there's even been a split in 2017 there was some yes. people advising shura between shura, shura and, and yes yeah between shura and molana saad the shura hmm. said it was not against molana saad as such the shura's interpretation of the role role of the president is the president is more of a rubber stamp hmm. is the shura which has the actual control over the body the president takes his decisions after consultations with the shura and molana saad who had worked like that for about 20 years along with molana zubair earlier and after the passing away of molana zubair he asserted himself and finally declared that it is the president who runs the organization and that mm-hmm. is how the split came when shura's people's understanding of the jamaat was shura is more than just a body of community elders it is there to guide the president and help him in taking the right decision whereas the president thought that shura's job is merely to offer him advice and it's his right to go by that advice or to discard it hmm have you had a chance to speak with uh, any of the people in the higher ranks of tablighi jamaat since after the controversy 
Uh, what do they make of the whole thing? What do they make of the whole thing? Well, Maulana Saad is yet to come out in public except for a very brief time when he gave one interview. But having said this, the Tablighi Jamaat is pretty much likely to continue with its own way of working as earlier. Once hmm. the COVID thing subsides, I'm sure their volunteers will again be knocking on the doors of strangers, inviting them to come to masjid, join in a prayer with everybody else. Similarly, they will be extending invitations for people to go out of station with them for 40 days or for four months and so on. And as far as Maulana Saad is concerned, once the COVID situation normalizes in our country soon, inshallah, then hmm. one, fe- one fears that his powers will be diminished. After all, once this COVID incident took place in Markaz, the advisory council made sure that the media talked of Tablighi Jamaat Saad faction and not Tablighi Jamaat per se. They, hmm. the, they said the people who had gathered in Markaz were from the Maulana Saad faction. They were not from Tablighi Jamaat as a whole. This advisory council works from a separate mosque in Delhi and another mosque in Mumbai. They do not work from Markaz. In hmm. the coming days, I do foresee the advisory council members asserting themselves more at the cost of the president. All right. So uh, when I was reading this book, I felt like history was being written as it was happening. I mean, this was history in real time. How did you feel writing this book in this time? (laughs) What do you say? Basically, see, this was a book which had been with me for quite some time. I wanted to do it. I desperately wanted to do it. It It was a subject close to my heart. As I have said at the beginning, I have difference of opinion with Tabliri Jamaat when it comes to interpretation of the Quran or the way they pick and choose certain things of Islam to the neglect of others. At the hmm. same time, I do admire them for the good things they do. So I wanted to put it together more so because there has not been a single book in English on the Tabliri Jamaat from India in the past. This is the first recording of whatever the Jamaat has done from 1927 to 2020 in English. In fact, even in Hindi or Urdu, they have been just booklets here and there, not an authentic account. Yes, and it's very valuable too, if my say so, and I'll recommend it to all of our listeners. Please go through this book. It's called Inside the Tablighi Jamaat. It's by Ziaw Salam. So it's been published recently by Hapa Collins. The first chance you get, please grab a copy of the book. Uh, is it uh, Ziasab? Is it available online also? As an uh, yes, it e- is available on Amazon, Flipkart, etc. It is available in stores. Its price All is three ninety nine only, and it's not a very thick book. It's just two thirty six pages or so. Yes, yes, yes. So please just grab a copy of the book. You'll get all the information you need about Tablighi Jamaat and it puts the whole controversy that you might have listened to, heard, watched, and read about on uh, in the media. It puts the whole thing into context. It gives you an idea of what the organization is, why it was vilified, and whether there was any reason for it being vilified. Ziasab, that was a very interesting and very informative conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you very much. It's a, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.